All right, good evening, brothers and sisters in the faith. We are truly happy to have you join us once again to study the words of our Father Yahuwah. Our topic for today is about the, the nation of Israel, because there are those who believe that with the advent of the ecclesia or the church, they have replaced Israel as the people of God. Now, in what sense has the church replaced Israel? Is it an absolute rejection of Israel as a nation? What is God's plan concerning his people Israel? This is what we're going to be discussing today. Now, just to let you know, there are several religious groups today who believe that the church has in fact replaced Israel. For example, from the Iglesia de Cristo blogspot, this is what they state. However, the Bible explicitly tells that, that Israelites was apostatized. And they cite Daniel 9, 4 down to 5, they committed sin. And so did Israel uh, cease to exist? No, they continued to exist until our time. Thus, in terms of existence from Moses to our time, Israel can boast about 3,500 years of continuous history. But did they remain God's nation? No, they were replaced by the first century church of Christ. And to be fair, we do believe that the people of God today is, are those who belong to the ecclesia who are in the body of our King Yahusha. But does it mean that Yahuwah has completely abandoned and rejected national Israel or Israel as a whole? Those who believe that Israel no longer has a part in Yahuwah's plans are those who subscribe to replacement theology. It's also called supersessionism. According to this belief, Yahuwah God has abandoned completely Israel because all the promises of Israel were transferred to the ecclesia, and in so doing, they became spiritual Israel and national spiritual Israel, replacing national Israel as the people of God. Now, they use several biblical scriptures that we're going to look into, and one of the biblical passages they begin with as their foundation to build the argument for replacement theology is the book of Galatians 3, verse 16. And this is what it says. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promise, the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. So according to Apostle Paul, in the book of Galatians 3.16, the promise of God that was for Abraham, it was transferred to the seed. And the seed is not many, but one. Who is that seed? According to uh, Apostle Paul, none other than our king, Yahusha HaMashiach. And so who are included in the seed who is our king, Yahusha? In the book of Galatians 3, 26 to 29, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ, Yahusha, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one. In Christ Yahusha. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so to be an inheritor of the promise that God made to Abraham, you don't need to be a physical descendant of Abraham. It's enough for you to belong to Christ Yahusha, whether you are Jew or Greek. Jew or Gentile, it does not matter. So long as you belong to Yahushua, you are Abraham's seed. And if you are Abraham's seed, what does that mean? 
you are heirs of God's promises, including the promises God made to his servant Abraham. And so because of this, they believe the, of the authority and the promises that were given to Abraham that was transferred to the ecclesia. What also does Apostle Paul teach? Romans 9, 6 down to 8. But it is not the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac you shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as the seed. And so many who believe replacement theology often cite Romans 9, 6 to 8 and conclude. Bible tells us there is the uh, Israel of the flesh, which is national Israel. And there's Israel of the promise, which is the ecclesia. And so the true Israel today is the ecclesia, which is the Israel of promise. That being the case, Israel of the flesh, well, they no longer are the people of God. And after that, they cite Ephesians 3 and the verses 6. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Yahusha. So according to Apostle Paul, it's very clear. If you belong to Yahusha, whether Jew or Gentile, you are Abraham's seed. Being a seed of Abraham, you are going to receive the promises of our almighty Allahim, our almighty God in heaven. That's all true. However, can we use the teachings of Apostle Paul to make an argument that the church has replaced Israel in the sense that Israel as a nation no longer has a part in the plan and purposes of God moving forward. And so did the church really replace Israel? Now, for us to be able to answer this question, we need to know first the relationship between the church and Israel. How do, what, what do they really represent? So how does the church relate to Israel? Now, to answer this question, we need to first go to the pattern of the Old Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, there were basically three groups of people. Who were they? There were the Gentile nations. That's one group. Well, actually, that's many groups, many nations, right? And there were those who were of national Israel, because since after Yahuwah delivered Israel from bondage in Egypt, they became a nation of their own. Eventually, they would become a kingdom and so that would be national Israel. However, we know national Israel fell by apostasy many times. They were faithless people, stubborn, and did not obey the teachings of God. And so because of this, Yahuwah God preserved a remnant for himself. This is called true Israel. And so in the Old Testament, there were Gentiles, there was national Israel, and there were the true Israelites, the faithful remnant. For example, during the days of the kingdom of Israel, during the days of Ahab and Jezebel, you still remember what they did. What was the condition of national Israel? In the book of Kings 19.18, yet I have reserved 
7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So the Bible tells us that all of Israel, except for the 7,000, were apostatized. They fell from the faith because they rejected Yahuwah and bowed to who? Baal. So national Israel, they did not represent the people of God. But there was a small remnant that Yahuwah God reserved for himself. How many were they? 7,000. So the, the 7,000 remnant that represents true Israel. So there were the Gentile nations, national Israel, the true Israel, which is a small remnant who remained faithful to God. Remember, Israel is God's planting. But those who are apostatized, they are removed from that planting. But the planting remains. Israel, as a planting of God, continued from the time it began up until this very moment. So that's Old Testament. Let's now jump to the New Testament. In the New Testament, do we still find the same pattern of Gentiles, national Israel, and true Israel, which is a remnant? Let's read the book of Luke 2.25-26. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, what we read to you was at the time of the birth of our king, Yahusha. So we still belong in the Old Testament, but Yahusha is still a baby. He hasn't begun his ministry yet. During this time, there was a national Israel led by the Sadducees, the Pharisees, right? But during this time, according to John the Baptist, according to what we read, they have rejected so many of the teachings of God. Nevertheless, there was still a remnant of true Israel who is included. Uh, people like Simeon, not only Simeon, people like Anna, who was a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So Simeon and Anna were filled with the Holy Spirit and they placed their hope in the Lord, in our King Yahushua. So we know from the time Israel was planted, there were many who fell away. They were removed from the planting of Israel. And you, every time people are removed, there's always a remnant that remains. And so the tree, which was planted by God, which is likened to an olive tree, it remained true Israel. How does it remain true Israel? Because God removes from the tree called true Israel those who are not really Israel. And oftentimes what is removed by God is national Israel in itself. This is why during this time, even though there is a national Israel, there's only a remnant represents true Israel. And then 
After this, Yahusha, of course, begins to preach. He begins to teach about the kingdom of God. And so during this time, after the ministry of our King Yahusha, what does Apostle Paul teach? In Romans 2, 28 to 29, for you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And the person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. So Apostle Paul confirmed there were Jews who were born Jews, but they were not true Jews. In other words, even though there's a national Israel, not all of Israel are true Israelites. Who are those who are true Israelites? There are those whose hearts are right with God. And so there's always a remnant of Israel. Even during the days of captivity, Yahuwah always reserves a remnant for himself who will remain or continue that tree planted by God, the tree called true Israel. Now, when Pentecost came, through Israel, they were taken by God and were given the Holy Spirit because they accepted the ministry of our king, Yahushua. And so on the day of Pentecost, through Israel became the nucleus of the church because those who became the ecclesia were those who belonged to the people of Israel. This is why on Pentecost, who were gathered together to receive the Holy Spirit of God, people of Israel at that moment through Israel continued through the ecclesia. Was there still a national Israel? Yes, but national Israel rejected who? Yeah, Yahushua. So they rejected Yahushua, they rejected what Yahuwah offered for their salvation. So they're just national Israel, they were not true Israel. True Israel eventually became the people who accepted the gift of God, who is our king, Yahushua. So the true Israelites, the remnant of Israel, through Israel, they became the nucleus, the, the starting group of what would become the ecclesia. And of course, it was not only them, but also those who were called into Yahushua, because those who were called into Yahushua they also become the seed of Abraham. And so the ecclesia becomes now representative of the tree called true Israel. What happened to national Israel? Well, national Israel, they no longer represented the people of God. So in the Old Testament, we have three groups of people, right? The Gentile nations, national Israel, true Israel. In the New Testament, we also have the same thing. But true Israel, the faithful remnant, eventually becomes or transitions to become the ecclesia or the church. Now, what's going to happen to national Israel? After the ecclesia kind of is set apart, Yahuwah sets apart that remnant, which becomes the foundation of the, the beginning work of the ecclesia, what happens now to national Israel? Well, our King Yahushua warned 
national Israel many times about what would happen if they were to reject him as their Messiah. In the book of Luke 13, Bible tells us he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. We studied this before. If you still remember in our discussion about the fig tree prophecy, we talked about Israel being likened to a fig tree. In this case, a fig tree that's not producing fruit. So in this parable, Yahusha is represented by the, the caretaker of the vineyard. He is instructed to cut it down. But then he says, give me another chance. I'm going to revisit it and see if it's going to bear fruit. And so Yahusha is given more time. And when Yahusha goes back to the people of Israel, one final time before he, he uh, before he uh, is crucified, because he's going to present himself as king during Passover week. And so he's going to look, he's going to go to Bethage. If you still remember our study, he's going to go to Bethage and he's going to present himself as king. And he's going to see what national Israel's response is going to be. So in Matthew 21, 18 to 20, in the morning as Yahushua was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry and he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said, then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? So here's our King Yahushua he's going to Bethage. He's announcing that he's the Messiah and he sees a fig tree. An actual fig tree. And when he looked at the fig tree, it has no figs. And he curses the fig tree. And this fig tree is never going to bear fruit again. And so what was that representing? It was representing Yahushua cutting off the people of Israel because they were not producing fruit. And because they were not producing fruit, they were cursed. And so the people of Israel have been cursed to wither up and eventually perish and die. And so this is the consequence of rejecting who? Messiah. This was their final chance to accept Yahusha as their Messiah. But instead of accepting him as their Messiah, what did they do to him? They crucified him, right? They crucified our king, Yahusha. And Yahusha knows that he has been rejected. And so what does he lament over national Israel? Let's read. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you would not let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. And so Yahushua laments over Jerusalem, which represents national Israel, he laments over Jerusalem because 
instead of accepting him, they rejected him just like they rejected the prophets and stoned the messengers of God. And so according to our King Yahushua, the house of Israel is going to be abandoned and become desolate. And what's, how would they become abandoned and desolate? Let's read 24 now. As Yahushua was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And so our King Yahushua tells the warning and speaks of it to his disciples and the abandoning and the desolation of Jerusalem and Israel would be so great, even all, even the, the temple itself would be completely destroyed. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Not only that, what will become of the people of Israel? They will be killed by the sword or sent away as captives to all the nations of the world. And Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. Everything that our King Yahushua said, was that fulfilled? Yes. In 70 AD, Jerusalem was destroyed and the nation of Israel withered and died. And so the fig tree that was cursed represented Israel who would die as a nation. So the nation of Israel died because they ceased to exist from 70 AD up until 19. 48. We're going to talk about 1948 a little later on. But what we know is because national Israel rejected our King Yahushua, national Israel perished. However, does it mean that God has replaced Israel? Does it mean that God has rejected permanently the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham? In the passage we read earlier, Matthew 23, 37 to 39, this is what it says of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. And notice what Yahushua says next, verse 39. For I tell you this, you will never see me again until, until you say blessings on the one who comes in the name of Yahuwah. And so our King Yahushua prophesies the abandoning of Israel becoming desolate and withering away and dying. But he also prophesies its restoration contingent upon what? Upon Israel as a nation, accepting Yahushua as the one sent as the Messiah, the one who comes in the name of Yahuwah. And so in the passage where Yahushua prophesied the demise of Israel, also contains a hope that Israel as a nation would not be completely abandoned. Because Yahushua says, if you will, he will come back, you will see me again when you accept me as the Messiah. So Yahushua prophesies the restoration of national Israel. Okay, not true Israel, because true Israel doesn't need to be restored. 
He's speaking of national Israel. But didn't Apostle Paul teach that the church replaced Israel? And so let's go back to Galatians 3, 16 to 29, which is used by those who believe in replacement theology. And this is what we read earlier. Now to Abraham and his seed were promises made. You notice the promises were made to who? Who were the promises made to? Is it only the seed? Sometimes we miss this. Little things like this is what we miss. You notice the promises were made to Abraham and his seed. And so when the promise was fulfilled in the seed of Abraham, who is our king Yahushua, when the ecclesia was grafted to true Israel, when the ecclesia became heirs of the promises of God, it doesn't mean that God forgot about his promise to who? Yeah, he still has a promise to Abraham. Yes, he has a promise to Abraham's seed, but he also has a promise to Abraham as well. I mean, does God forget his promises? Remember Hebrews chapter 6? Bible says, Yahuwah, when he makes a promise, he fulfills it. He is not one like human beings who makes promises and does not fulfill. When Yahuwah can, makes a promise, you know he's going to fulfill it, especially if it's a covenant. You know, in Genesis 15, 18, you know what Yahuwah causes Abraham to do? Causes him to kind of go into a deep sleep. And in this deep sleep, he has a vision. And in this vision, there was a covenant that was made. The reason why he was put to a deep sleep is because in this covenant that Yahuwah was making, it's unconditional. In other words, Abraham doesn't have to do anything or satisfy a condition for the covenant to be fulfilled. In other words, Yahuwah God is telling Abraham, I'm making a covenant with you, but this covenant will be fulfilled even if you will not fulfill your part. This is an unconditional covenant. In that uncondi uh, unconditional covenant that Yahuwah God made to Abraham, what did that include? On the same day, Yahuwah made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And so when you look at the description of the land promised by Yahuwah God to Abraham, it encompasses this large area. And so when you look at this great, this green area, and you see tiny Israel there, we know that at no point in the history of the people of Israel have they occupied all of this land. And so the Abrahamic covenant, or part of the Abrahamic covenant, which is inheriting all this land, it hasn't been fulfilled yet. And so will Yahuwah God not fulfill this promise which was part of the unconditional promise or covenant that God made with Abraham. Will he forget that? No. He will fulfill that. And when will he fulfill that? In the millennial kingdom. The millennial kingdom is proof that Yahuwah is not just finished with Israel. Because in the millennial kingdom, where will be the center? Jerusalem. What nation will be the nation where all other nations will go to to worship God? Israel. Israel and Jerusalem are going to represent the headquarters of the millennial kingdom. So Israel will be restored as a people. Those who will lead the ecclesia. So the ecclesia will have a leading role in the kingdom in the millennium. 
the millennial kingdom will be expansive. The millennial kingdom will be vast. And it's going to last for a thousand years. And so the fact there's going to be a millennial kingdom proves that Yahuwah was not yet finished with Israel. Why? Because he will fulfill his promise to who? Abraham. And that can only be fulfilled at the millennial kingdom. And so when Yahuwah gives a promise to Abraham, the people of Israel, now Yahuwah can be counted upon delivering that promise. And so when we look at Romans 9, 6 to 9, does it tell us that the ecclesia, the children of promise, replaces the children of the flesh or the people of Israel as a nation? Let's read Romans 9, 6 to 9 again. But it is not the word of God. It is not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac, your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. And so here, Apostle Paul is speaking about Israel. And Israel, according to Apostle Paul, is composed not just of people who are physical descendants of Israel, because he says not all Israel are of Israel. And basically, Apostle Paul is speaking and setting, uh, setting up the uh, idea that in addition to physical Israelites, there are also others who are going to be considered Israelites. This is why he says not all Israel are of Israel. But the children of the promise are also counted as the seed, also counted as true Israel. However, there are those who kind of use this passage and teach the following, that the church, which is represented by the Israel of promise, replaces national Israel, Israel of the flesh. However, that's not what the verse is saying. Let's go back and check the verse itself. When we look at Romans 9, 69, is it telling us that the ecclesia is replacing national Israel? Is it telling us that the ecclesia is, rep is uh, going to replace the, true, the, the Israelites of the flesh? If we read the passage, it mentions to us that there are those uh, children who are called children of the flesh, but they are not of Israel. Who are they? If you read the passage in Romans chapter 9, it's speaking really about Abraham's descendants through Hagar. Hagar gave birth to who again? Ishmael. The Ishmaelites. The descendants of Ishmael. Are they the seed of Abraham? Yeah. They're physical descendants of Abraham. But are they the children of promise? No. And so Apostle Paul is setting up the argument that not everyone who is a physical descendant of Abraham is a, is a child of promise. That's why he mentions the children of the flesh. The children of the flesh, mentioned by Apostle Paul, is referring to those who were not counted or according to the election of Isaac. That's why if you read in the next verse, in Isaac, your seed shall be 
cool. The children of the promise are counted as the seed. And so what Apostle Paul is saying is that those who are included in the promise as Abraham's heirs include those who, who are from the ecclesia, the Gentiles, but also those, but it, it, not to the replacement of the people who belong to the seed of Abraham or to the children of Abraham through Isaac. And to prove this in verse 9, it says, For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And so the whole point of Romans 9 is not to replace national Israel, but to tell us even if you don't belong to national Israel, you can still be true Israel. How so? Through Yahushua. So if a person belongs to Christ Yahushua in the ecclesia, they're adopted into Abraham's family. That's what Romans 9 is all about. He's telling us, possible telling us about Abraham's family. What kind of family? The family of promise. Because Abraham's family, if you really think about it, it also includes the Ishmaelites, right? But when he's when Apostle Paul was speaking of Abraham's family, he's speaking of the Israel of promise. And the Israel of promise is the ecclesia and also national Israel. And so this tells us Yahuwah God is not yet done with the people of national Israel. He's not yet finished with them. So those who belong to Christ are adopted into Abraham's spiritual family and enjoy the rights and privileges of being God's children. Okay, But I want you to keep this in mind. It doesn't mean that when the new children are adopted into a family, the biological children do not cease to be a part of the family. Right? They do not lose the rights and privileges. Yahuwah is going to restore that. You get it? So Israel, as a nation, are the people of God. They reject Messiah. And because they reject Messiah, they cease to be a true Israelite. But it doesn't mean that Yahuwah God has, forgiven, has forgotten them. Because there are adopted children that come in, does it mean he's going to forget the biological children of Israel? And how does Apostle Paul illustrate this? Romans chapter 11. For those who don't believe uh, that uh, Israel is still in God's plans for the future, all they really need to do is read chapter 11 of the book of Romans. Because Romans 11 begins this way. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Here's Apostle Paul. He, has, he was converted to becoming a disciple of our King Yahushua. So he's a Yahushua and a Christian, right? But he still speaks of the people of Israel as God's people, right? And so he asks, has God cast away his people? What people is he referring to? National Israel. Because we know in Romans 9 and 10, Apostle Paul tells us that Israel, national Israel, has rejected Yahushua. And so they're no longer true Israel. Okay, But the Bible says, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. 
And he gives us two arguments for why he, he can say that God has not abandoned his people. First argument, uh, 11, 2 down to 5, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed to the knee to, about the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Remember, in the Old Testament, there were two, three groups of people, the Gentiles, national Israel, and the remnant, true Israel, right? Possible connecting the Old Testament with what was happening during his time. During his time, national Israel rejected who? Yahushua. And by rejecting Yahushua, Yahuwah God also rejected them. This is why eventually they would wither away and die. But there's a remnant, Apostle Paul says. Just like there was a remnant in the Old Testament, there's a remnant in the New Testament time, and that represents the ecclesia. That's why Apostle Paul says, no, God has not abandoned Israel because there's a remnant, right? But not only that. Yahuwah God also has plans for national Israel. And so God did not abandon his people because, first of all, he left a remnant. So the true Israel, the, the true Israelites, the tree called true Israel, it's still there. It has not been uprooted. There's still true Israel. Okay, it's ongoing. However, the national Israelites, they were removed from that tree. National Israel is removed from that tree. But Yahuwah God still has plans. For national Israel. In Romans 11, 7 down to 10, this is what he says. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table come as it become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow and bow down their back always. And so here Apostle Paul is saying about the condition of national Israel. True Israel, in this case, was called the elect. True Israel were those who followed Yahusha who accepted Yahushua. And so they kept the condition of being true Israel. So they remained in the tree called true Israel. But national Israel, Apostle Paul says, was given a spirit of stupor. What does that mean? It means they have eyes that they, they have eyes that does not see and ears that could not hear. It's like they're blinded. And unable to understand, even though the, the evidence has been laid out plain and clear. The prophecies clearly point to Yahushua being the fulfillment of the Messiah. But still, because of their stupor, they reject Yahushua. And this was happening during the days of the apostles, several decades after the ascension of our king, Yahushua. And this stupor is still in effect today, right? Because national Israel, they still reject who? Yahushua, 
And so they're still in that stupor. They still are in their blindness. This is why they have not yet accepted Yahusha as their king and Messiah. And so Apostle Paul says, nationally Israel was given the spirit of stupor. But will the spirit of stupor, which caused them to fall, is it going to be permanent? Well, let's find out in Romans 11, 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. And so Apostle Paul is saying, because of their stupor, they stumbled. Because if you're blind, you're going to fall. They did fall. But there is their fall a permanent condition? Certainly not. Why? Because their fall actually serves a purpose in God's plan. You see, when Yahuwah God punishes his people, he punishes his people because of their wrongdoing, but at the same time, he causes good to come out of it. And so in this case, because the people of Israel rejected the Messiah, what did Yahuwah God do? How did he cause good to come out of this? Well, he says, but through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And so the Bible tells us that because of their fall, it served a function. The fall of Israel. And when we're talking about the fall of Israel, Apostle Paul is speaking about national Israel. He's not speaking about the true Israel or the remnant Israel. He's speaking about national Israel because it would not make sense if he's if we're going to say he's talking about uh, the, the Israelites who belong to Yahushua or the true Israelites. We're not talking about that here. He's talking about national Israel. They would fall, right? And because they fell, what effect would this have? It would provoke the Israelites to jealousy when the salvation will now come to the Gentiles. In other words, the fall of Israel gives the opportunity for the Gentiles to receive salvation. That's why in verse 12 he says, now if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. And so the what Yahuwah God did to work some good out of the fall of the people of Israel is to bring the Gentiles to a condition of salvation, right? So the failure of Israel functioned to give Gentiles the opportunity to be saved because the original intent of Yahuwah in making the promise to Abraham was so that Abraham can be a blessing to all the nations. This is why this part of Israel's failure is also working out that promise. It's being fulfilled because now the Gentiles will have the opportunity to receive salvation. How so? How will the Gentiles be partakers of salvation? Well, for I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? So Apostle Paul is speaking now to the Gentiles. 
when he wrote the book of Romans, his primary audience were the Gentiles. And he's going to show us the connection between the Gentiles and the Israelites. Okay. And in this um, example that Apostle Paul uses, we're going to be able to identify national Israel, true Israel, and the Gentiles. Okay. And so he's speaking to the Gentiles. He, being an apostle to the Gentiles, is telling the Apostle Paul that the Gentiles are, at, are going to be saved because of what happened to national Israel, because of the fall of national Israel. How does this all interconnect? Romans 11, 16, 18. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them become, became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You know what Apostle Paul says? What Apostle Paul is saying here? He's telling us that the root, the tree called true Israel, has not been uprooted. It has not been uprooted. It's still the same tree, right? What tree is that? Israel. What kind of Israel? True Israel. Why? Because the apostate Israel would be cut off. This is why in this example of Apostle Paul, he says, when national Israel, during the days of our King Yahushua, when they rejected Messiah, what happened to national Israel? They were cut off. When they were cut off, something was grafted in. Who were grafted in? The Gentiles. How were they grafted in the tree of Israel if they were Gentiles? Through Christ, Yahushua. And so the Gentiles now become part of true Israel through our king, Yahushua. What happened to national Israel? They were broken off as branches. So what does Apostle Paul liken? The Gentiles, like wild olive trees or like wild olive branches, okay? So according to the teaching of Apostle Paul here, there is no new planting. The Bible doesn't say that when Israel rejects the Messiah, he uproots Israel and then plants a new Israel. He doesn't do that. This is why if we, keep, if we go back to the passage we read in verse 18, do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Not only that, if you read uh, that part about the wild olive tree, were grafted in among you, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. And so when the Gentiles were grafted in to this tree called true Israel, they get the benefits of the promises that the Lord God made to the roots. Abraham, right? And so we know that the Gentiles were added to true Israel through our king, Yahushua. So there was no new planting. And what happened to national Israel? The Bible says they were broken off. The Gentiles they were added in. But what does Apostle Paul remind the Gentiles who were added to the tree of true Israel. 
19 and 21, you will say that branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. This is why it's not wise to say that Yahuwah God has abandoned national Israel. Do you see that? It's not wise for us to say the ecclesia has replaced national Israel. Why? Apostle Paul says you're being haughty if you do that. It's an expression of arrogance. And Apostle Paul is warning them, do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, national Israel, right? how he may not spare you either. And so Apostle Paul says, do not boast. Because you're just grafted in. You're not the natural branches. You're wild olive shoes. You were just grafted in through Yahushua. And so after the Gentiles have been grafted in, what is the expectation of Apostle Paul? 23, 24. And they also, national Israel, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? You know what Apostle Paul is saying here? Apostle Paul is telling us you have true Israelite, right? The true Israel tree. And you have all these other trees that represent Gentile nations. And so these, uh, these Gentiles were cut off from these other trees and grafted into the tree of true Israel. And so they were not natural branches of the true, the tree of uh, the true Israel. As Apostle Paul saying, if you were grafted in, and Yahuwah was able to do that, despite you not being really of true, not true Israel, it means that those who were of true Israel before, but were, graft, were uh, cut off or broken out, it would be easy for Yahuwah to graft them back in. Because after all, they're natural branches. They were cut off from the true tree of Israel. So Apostle Paul says, once the blindness has passed, once they now begin to believe what would happen to natural Israel, they would also be brought back to true Israel. 25-27, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So Apostle Paul here prophesies, time will come when all of Israel will be saved. What is he referring to when he says all of Israel? National Israel. Because the remnant Israelites are already going to be saved. Because they belong to Yahushua. But one day, all of Israel is going to accept, will accept Yahushua as their Messiah. And at that point, they too will be grafted back into the tree of true Israel. Right? And so, national Israel is broken off. 
But national Israel, after the Gentiles and the work for the Gentiles are complete, they're going to be grafted back in to true Israel. So the failure of Israel brought forth the salvation of the Gentiles. But the salvation of the Gentiles, once it's complete, will bring back national Israel. It brings the full inclusion of Israel. And so when will this take place? This will happen after the Harpazo, after the, the Gentiles will be saved, after the Ecclesia is going to receive salvation. And what is going to happen that will point to the nearness of this stupor being taken away from national Israel? Well, we studied in our past lesson about the fig tree prophecy. Remember the fig tree prophecy? We know what happened to Israel because they rejected Messiah. National Israel fell and they were eventually completely destroyed. They dispersed. They no longer became the people of God. They were no longer a nation. But Yahusha gave a prophecy in Matthew 24. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree when its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout. You, you know that summer is near in the same way when you see all these things. You can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. So King Yahushua is telling us that the fig tree he cursed once, which caused the demise of Israel, remember? This time, he says, time will come that the fig tree is going to bud and its leaves going to, it's going to begin to sprout. And so this is the res that restoration of Israel. When will it begin to be restored? Well, we know in 70 AD it was destroyed and national Israel withered and died. And Israel remained dormant as a nation for almost 2,000 years. But Yahushua says time will come. Its branches are going to begin to bud. Its leaves begin to sprout, but no figs yet. The figs represent the true people of God, right? But when it begins to bud and begins to sprout, you know something good is about to happen. And when was this prophecy fulfilled? That was when the state of Israel was born after almost 2,000 years. In May 14, 1948, Israel became a nation state. June 1967, Jerusalem was re restored to Israel. And we talked all about this prophecy in one of our topics was Israel becoming a nation again, a fulfillment of prophecy. And we know that was indeed the case. And so in 1948, when Israel became, became a nation again, we know that Yahuwah is now working on fulfilling the work of restoring the people of Israel. And when will that, when will that be? Our King Yahushua says, when you begin to see the branches bud and the, le the leaves begin to sprout, in verse 34, he says, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. In other words, 1948 was a long time ago, right? How long ago was 1948? But that was when we saw the fig tree begin to bud and the leaves begin to sprout. And so we know there will be people who were alive on that day who will witness the return of our king, Yahushua. In other words, we're very close to that day when our king Yahushua is going to return. 
And once it returns, he's going to restore Israel. And so what should we be all doing, especially the people of Israel? In the final passage of our studies today, the book of Acts 3, 19 and 21, here's Apostle Peter and he's teaching. And who is the audience of Apostle Peter here? Israel. He says, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Yahushua Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And so, beloved brethren, when Yahusha is sent forth and Israel accepts him as Messiah, that's when Israel as a nation will, will again become the people of God. And the ecclesia, Yahusha, and those who are overcomers, he'll be the ones who rule Israel. But Israel will be at the center of the millennial kingdom, a restored Israel as promised by Yahuwah to his servant, Abraham. And so his promise to Abraham and to his seed, our King Yahusha, it will be completely fulfilled in the millennial kingdom. Okay, that's our lesson. Let us stand for our prayer. Almighty and merciful Father, Yahuwah Abba, thank you so much. What we know and understand from the events of history is that you are in control of all things because you have the power to do so. You have planned with purpose and your purpose is guided by your love, your compassion, your faithfulness, because that is who you are. Your name is Yahuwah. And so because of this, we are confident and we have no reason to be afraid no matter what happens upon the whole world because we believe all things will work together for good for it is you who causes all things to follow suit. Father, thank you so much because you continue your work of redemption and restoration. May we be included in your work, instruments of yours in proclaiming your righteousness. Our King Yahushua, thank you for including us by adding us into the body of your beloved son that we can be partakers of the promises you gave to Abraham. Thank you for the promises we have as your sons and daughters through Yahushua. And so we believe that soon we will inherit life everlasting. Our King Yahushua, we belong to you. Because of this, you are our identity. May we not ruin or mar the character that you represent. Inasmuch as we represent you to the world, help us to be like you in how we behave and how we relate with other people. May you help us to be gentle and kind, to be bold in preaching the truth, yet filled with love and speaking them. Help us that we might follow your good example and to live a life of holiness and righteousness. Father, please bless your people always. Teach us to rejoice in your salvations, which we know is coming soon. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers and you have healed your people of all their sicknesses. For we ask everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen.